A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pile of thunder and rock and roll and Duff McKagan standing by with a joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling from rainy Los Angeles. Uh, did you hear about the drummer who locked the car keys in the van? Yeah, it took him two hours to get the bass player out. Thank you. Um, I actually had to think about that one for so long that when I told Duff, he said I should have changed that to the singer. Yeah, the bass player is too stupid to find the keys to get out. So there you go. I hope it doesn't happen to Fozzie tonight. We got a sold-out show in Philly. After the sold-out show in New York City last night, it has been such a great tour. Uh, anyways, we never let our drummer have the keys. Uh, he might lose them or steal them or something else. Uh, another hilariously bad joke from Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses and Walking Papers. They just put a new record. They're about to tour with Allison Chains. Thanks to Mr. McKagan for taking the time out of his busy schedule to phone these in every week and speaking of busy schedules it's wrestlemania week everybody and their dog is in uh new orleans right now except for me uh including teddy hart he's returning to talk as jericho and this time he's bringing friend uh joey janela is gonna be there joey might sound familiar because he's putting on joey janela's spring break part two uh in new orleans it's tonight uh joey might sound familiar because he took a crazy bump off the roof of a barn into a flatbed pickup truck a few years back. It was insane. The video went viral. Millions of views. We're going to talk about that, why he did it. Uh, if anything went wrong that wasn't caught on camera, what uh, uh, spurred him into doing stuff like that. And then Teddy Hart, of course. What a crazy few months he's had. He's out of jail. He got into a police chase and ended up spending a few months in the clink. But he's out now and wrestling every weekend all over the States. We'll find out what the last year has been like for him and what he's hoping for when it comes to WWE and getting another chance there and once again with teddy you say uh, one question and 30 minutes later uh you ask another one uh the guy definitely is a storyteller and you are going to enjoy him here today and you're also going to enjoy fozzy in philly tonight playing the foundry sold out last few dates of this leg of the tour we're in portland maine tomorrow night saturday april 7th and then sunday wrestlemania sunday we're in hampton beach new hampshire at wally's 
Don't forget, we're playing an early show. We're going on at about 4 o'clock or so, uh, so we can all watch WrestleMania together afterwards. I will be staying at the venue and watching WrestleMania with all of you. So come see Fozzie at Wally's and then watch WrestleMania with us after. Uh, April 19th, we're playing the Buddha Rock Club in Fort Myers, Florida. April 20th, Amelie Arena in Tampa. 21st, the WJRR Earth Day birthday at the Central Florida Fairground in Orlando. April 22nd, WIBB 98 Rockfest in Charleston, South Carolina. Get all the information and tickets at FozzyRock.com and come join us for the VIP meet and greet as well. One of the best VIP meet and greets in the business. Uh, we sold out of basically all the shows this tour. We'll catch you next tour for all those. FozzyRock.com for all information. And stay here for all Teddy Hart uh, information. Joy Janela. Teddy's crazy story about running from the cops, landing in jail. Let's start it now, right here on Talk is Jericho. All right, so um, here in Las Vegas with uh, Teddy Hart, and um, I was surprised to see you and happy to see you last night at your show because uh, I knew you've had a pretty interesting year, shall we say? Uh, but you're uh, you're out and about. You're you're you're, you're uh, free. Yes, I was uh, I was in jail. Uh, I had a weird situation happen with a DUI. I had marijuana in my blood, so and I got into a police chase. I I think somebody put something in my drink. I don't I don't remember anything that night. It was like one of the few times I rarely get fucked up. I smoked a lot of weed in my day, and but I never really had been like drugged and it had that feeling. So I tried driving home and uh, got pulled over, and I thought I was actually helping the police chase somebody down I, I said i guess that's what they said i was like following a cop and another cop came behind me and they were going to a call it was on new year's so uh but yeah it cost me um seven and a half months of my life i spent four months in jail and then uh wwe was nice enough to help me out and uh we thought it'd look good for the judge if i went to the rehab program so i had to claim that i was uh drinking i don't, I don't really drink alcohol much but bob killer was there and he said they won't they won't put you in rehab for pot and you don't have anything you can say so if you want to say you're a drunk and you have problems with alcohol you can say that we'll try to help you get in and if that helps with your court case uh, i was facing seven to ten years in jail for assault on an elderly child or handicap and a dui well, so, why elderly child handicap? Uh, the guy that i let stay with me was disabled he claimed oh, right. he wasn't disabled at all but he was able to sell that to the cops i actually called the police on him to charge him with arson he had lit a fire in our in our uh, apartment he had his own room and he was uh I don't know if he was smoking crack or what he was doing, but he was doing some shit and the smoke detector went off and uh, he had a bunch of kittens in the room. He claimed he was going to help me with the with the kitten, my cat breeding business. So he liked animals. He seemed like a nice kid and uh, he ended up lighting a bunch of stuff on fire and trying to cover it up after. And I guess the fuck, I didn't even know we had a smoke detector. We were smoking pot in the house all the time and I didn't think the smoke detector even worked, but it did. And I was like four in the morning. So um, I slapped him across the face and asked him what the he was doing and uh why he would do that and endanger the animals and me and everyone else we were all in a we were in an apartment so it would have killed everybody if the fire had caught on it would have wiped out the whole sure, neighborhood so i probably shouldn't have touched him but i did and then he got scared and he snuck out the window and then the next day the cops came and they told me where he was i guess he he was in a pair of underwear when they found him on the street he was at a store and they told me where he was so i went and picked him up again and his mother panicked and i guess she thought we were a lot more mad than we were so she called a separate group of police and they ended up arresting me and my friend saying that we were going to kidnap and confine this guy and uh, had beat him up. And So was, that was a previous charge other than this one that you had? It was the same. So then six months later, I went to I went to court and went to trial and uh, I ended up having a pill 
in my pouch, which was ephedrine from, I guess it was, we had taken some pills from Mexico that were like D-ball, like type of steroid stuff that I was taking. And uh, one of the pills had ephedrine in it when they tested it. And that got me arrested in court. So I got locked up while I was in court facing this assault charge. And then that ended up making me have to piss. So now I have to piss for the government in Texas every month. I got to do a, a call in every day on a number. And if your name comes up on the number, you got to go take a piss test. Mm. So uh, three months after that, I still couldn't get off marijuana. I'd never been able to stop smoking marijuana. This is now almost a year and a half of being clean off marijuana. It's the first time in my life I've ever not smoked wow. weed. So um, I end up going to court for the trial after and they postponed it again so now i'm working as an uber driver for a strip club driving girls home and that night was new year's i borrowed my girlfriend's truck and she was out of town and they ended up uh i don't know what happened me and another guy both got f-ed up and they put something in my drink and his drink and we were both drinking waters and so i just remember waking up in the car couldn't see anything tried driving home didn't know where i was and got pulled over and then got into an hour and a half police chase got tasered 13 times and i guess whatever they was in my system i couldn't get knocked out so they kept tasering me and i wouldn't i guess i wouldn't go out hmm. i just remember holding onto the steering wheel because the guys had the guns on me and the gun to my face finally and the guy said listen motherfucker let go of the steering wheel the car is on the i have a picture i didn't realize i'd taken the car off of the edge of the thing and it was actually balancing like this face down on the hood so i was wondering why i couldn't press the gas anymore i was trying to get out of there still and the cops were holding the car i had all four of my cats in the car what do you mean the car was like over the uh, a precipice the cliff, yeah it oh wow it went off of like a, so I'll, I'll have to send you a picture of it i didn't even know what it looked like until the mother was she was pretty upset her truck was completely totaled obviously insurance covered it but she was not happy and she works uh with homeland security and her daughter was working with Homeland Security. And it was like my first real, I'd been married before, but this was like my first really hot young girlfriend that I liked. And I'd asked her to marry me and it completely, it was like my last chance, I think. And I had a brand new Jaguar at the time. I'd saved all my money after losing everything the first from the first divorce, which was like three and a half years ago and getting charged with sexual assault. I just beat the sexual assault charges. And the first guy I know of that was like adamant about, I didn't do anything. My wife uh, owned an escort agency and she brought, girls over all the time so we always had girls over and I, i'm a nice guy to girls i have no sex drive really from taking too much steroids over the years so i i'm like a fixed cat so i was very upset about that and they took everything from me lost all my shit everything i owned and uh, my house was like a million dollar house i lost that my cars had five vehicles paid for and because it was two people in the relationship she had another girl we opened a public company or a, i guess like a, a i don't know what it would be like some kind of uh like business so it was like two to one on the vote they voted me out and everything was our business we had all put it under for tax reasons uh, everything under her name and i lost it all then and then built it up again to get a nice house in texas and a new car and my car was repoed while i was in jail so that was everything so now i ended up being homeless basically on the run from the cops and wb forgot to send my piss test to the po officer in texas so i got a warrant for my arrest and now i was wrestling on the run so every show i did i never told anybody because wrestling uh, it's so much stuff on social media now, but I was run. I had first uh, first time ever taking a lot of multiple bookings where I was like trying to be hungry and promoters promoters were taking a chance on me and I was very humble at this stage and I shut my mouth and did whatever they wanted me to do and it ended up uh, I had like thirty bookings so I did all my shows that I could and then I went to pick up a cat 
finally I wanted to bring the cat back. I'd lost my other cats during this uh, DUI. The cats were taken from me and uh, two of them went to my girlfriend and the other one went back to my ex-girlfriend, Mr. Money, and then the other one died. Uh, he got hit by a car like a month after. So I ended up losing now. I have none of my cats left. I had 35 cats wow. and I had a shelter in, uh, in Edson and the guy that was taking care of my cats, he ended up having his dad pass away and his dad was his sponsor. His dad fell off a ladder in Mexico, hit his head and died. And so he couldn't take care of my cats anymore. So I ended up losing all my cats and I bought a new cat from my ex-girlfriend. Finally, the restraining order was over and we were communicating a little bit. Uh, and that was my wife's girlfriend because I had the two wives or whatever for the three or four years doing that stupid reality TV show. She was nice enough to give me uh, one of the kittens from Mr. Money's litter. And they're like very smart, special breed from Mexico. So I bought that cat like an idiot. I went to the airport thinking I could pick it up. And they ran my name through customs because it was a Canadian package. And they arrested me right at the airport. Mm. And uh, so I got put in a Philadelphia jail for three weeks. And that was the worst experience of my life because the jails in Texas are bad, but the Philadelphia jail was overpacked. So you do an intake where you're like stuck in a room for supposed to be like a day, maybe at the most. I was there for four days on a floor with 60 guys in a room about this size. Obviously, you can't see how big the room is on, on yeah. a radio podcast, but 60 guys laying down. It's a hotel room size. With yeah. a little blanket, and that was it. And then finally, they move you into another detox part because most of the guys are coming off heroin or coke or meth or crack or whatever. So, And I, I'm in good shape happy sober and i'm now facing seven to ten years plus skipping trial missing court and another thing for uh bail jumping which is all like an extra five years now i'm facing like 12 to 15 years in jail there's no way i'm gonna get a deal and my lawyer calls and says he won't represent me anymore after i gave him fifteen thousand dollars like the last of my money that i had so i was really I was scared shitless and so depressed. The first time I was in jail, I was in for three and a half months and I trained like a madman in there, push-ups every day, handstands. And this time I was so depressed, I just sat there and I thought I was done. So I, I, my faith in God was really, I didn't want to, they said, read, you should maybe read the Bible or something. I said, this i don't even know if there is a god anymore so i've been through so much shit and i usually i'm a pretty nice guy i said i got a bad rap i said on top of my wrestling career being a complete wash i said i just wasted my whole life i said every backflip i did and every fan i shook hands with and guys in wheelchairs i said man i always thought those guys were angels and somehow i was going to get some some vindication later and i'm f***ed. and i uh, really went into a dark hole in jail and I, like three weeks in i got a call and they said you're going to be transported i said are they going to fly me they said no they said this brace yourself because this is going to be the worst ride of your life and like how what happens like you're locked in the back of a little truck handcuffed at the ankle and at the wrist and you got to take a, a shuttle basically with all these other guys from philadelphia to texas but they stop in every single city to pick up guys we did the same loop four times it took me 17 days in the back of a fucking truck he could not put an animal a cat or dog in a truck like this without getting charged for animal cruelty he'd get put in jail and they had six guys each thing locked up in here and one of the guys that was transporting me happened to be an old wrestler hmm. and he gave me some chewing tobacco and he let me put my handcuffs around my ankles and get them off my thing because they're you're shackled here but it's a loop so he let me like sweep them off and he let me sit on the back part of the truck because there's a little spot for the girls if there's no girls in there he let me sit on the back so i had a jacket and a little thing i rolled up into a pillow which was a bunch of mcdonald's wrappers because the only highlight of this trip is they stop at mcdonald's every six hours or wendy's so you can get a hamburger wow you piss in a bottle and they stop every 18 hours at a different jail to check in 
So you got fingerprinted every time you went to a different state, different city, different jail, and you just got put in a little holding cell because you're not part of their actual, uh, you're not part of, you're not one of their prisoners. You're part of like another thing. So why did you have to get transferred from Philly to Texas? Why? Because my trial was in Texas. Oh, I see. So I was in Philly, living in Philly, trying to take bookings because it was the central area for me. And I didn't want to keep flying. Uh, So you have to get fingerprinted every time. Every time. And the guards they didn't want to do any work with us and we only would get the one meal from the jail because they didn't want to feed us because they weren't getting paid and i guess it's all about the money for the jails how it was so after all that was said and done i got moved to texas and then they put me back in green bay which i promised myself i'd never go back to this place it's the biggest one floor jail but it's not a it's not a state jail so everyone thinks there's gyms and in state jail is different. I'm in county jail facing charges waiting. So it, it's a really shit system. The food is fucking garbage. The only thing you get is commissary, really. And I was lucky this time I had money on my books. Tyson Kidd had put some money in my books and uh, I had taken some money with me. So I had $1,000 on me. So when I went to jail, the second time I was able to buy commissary, which is like chips and like soups and white supremacist guys were real dickheads they were assholes black guys were really nice to me black panthers crips i don't know what the bloods were or the and the spanish guys one of them recognized me from lucha libre shit in mexico and he told a bunch of guards who i was and the guards had remembered me from the last time i was there because some of the guards had done uh anti-bullying seminars with me when i was working with the police in texas for school shows before i'd been charged so they were really nice to me and they would watch my videos through the bars and they'd show all the guys highlight videos to teddy hart and i I've given Brett shit on some stuff, but Brett's name in jail, your name in jail, because your podcast, weird things, uh, were, were so popular. And Chris Benoit, too, guys loved him, that they they treated me like a king in jail. So guys mm-hmm. were guys would make me food. I'd pay for the food, but they'd make all the food, and we'd eat together and pray together. And I started doing push-ups with a couple black guys again, um, like week three, because I was really depressed. I wasn't going to do shit. I remember mm-hmm. I was getting fat. I could feel it. And they finally, a couple guys said, why don't you start doing some push-ups and stuff and we'll work out with you at night. So I started doing little group workouts and uh, I got a new lawyer, public defender this time. And he said, they f***ed up and they've lost your papers. So they don't know you skipped trial and they don't, they think you've been sitting in here this whole time. So it looks like you've been in jail for like nine months straight when you got three and then got out. So we're going to make a deal right now before they figure it out would you take a i think five years in jail and i said uh well is that the best deal you can get me goes let me see what i can do here so somehow i don't know what happened but i knew some guys from homeland security and i worked with some guys with fbi stuff from my dad and his brother and like a bunch of cops knew me and some lawyers i met doing my reality tv show uh, because my girlfriend was working for homeland security ended up having a meeting and i showed up at their meeting and they were really nice to me. So I saw her in court, this lawyer. She wanted 100000 bucks for me to get me out. And she was in court the day I was there. And she smiled at me and winked at me. And the guy came back. He goes, the judge has just offered you probation for the whole thing. He goes, will you take seven years probation? And I said, Fuck, I'll sign right now. Wow. So he said, listen, I might even be able to get you five years probation instead of seven. And I said, and he goes, we'll get you adjudication. So if you can do this. Uh, you you're out and you'll clean it'll take your record away and you can apply for early probation release after three years so i said and i signed and i ended up getting out of jail instead of doing the 10 years or seven minimum they wouldn't come off i went to trial four times waiting before i got charged for the dui trying to get this thing knocked down they wouldn't budge and turned out my friend paul you'd interviewed him he was here the black guy that was with me before 
he ended up being the witness and he testified against me after 14 years of friendship with him he was the guy that said i slapped the guy and mm. ratted me out to the courts so he didn't get charged and then uh yeah, I, and he didn't show up for trial. I got out of it, and I never talked to him again. How, how did you get it busted down to just seven years of probation? Who the f*** knows? <laughs> I don't know how. That was why I said my faith in God was restored. I ended up getting 70 bookings since I've been out. I've wrestled every week, and I've never wrestled a full schedule. And this is another thing where I, I give Brett and you and, like, Eddie Guerrero and, like, Dean Malenko, all the guys that were workhorses. Like, I go back to the Rey Mysterio, too. Like, how many matches you guys must have been doing? Because I've never wrestled three days a week. Right, you never and had that. I never had a schedule. My always my schedule was like once a week, maybe one show every two weeks even. So I always had time to heal so I could do all my stuff. And now I realize why guys said you're doing too much or less is more. <laughs> I always figured out in the end, spot, right? Yeah. So, like, so I wish I could go back in time and apologize and like not not have done all that shit because then you're pigeonholed into doing so many more moves or they expect you to. So I've, I've modified my style now. This is Joey. I modified my style now and tried to come up with different ways of of looking good and getting a, a getting a good pop and having a great match but being able to prolong my career because now this is what i do to make money i've never had to support myself off indie wrestling so pictures count what did I, you do before uh i would always sell marijuana and gotcha. steroids and usually uh i had uh my wrestling school for kids and i owned a gym my dad had the gym and i had property so i'd rent out rooms and stuff and so how was it now being a full-time I, I, I apologize to every wrestler I ever was hard on, and I had no idea what you guys really been through. And same thing with Brett. When Brett used to talk about being on the road and then renting a car and driving to a show and the loneliness of walking down a hotel by yourself. And, like, I have no no girl with me now. Usually always had a girl and the cat. I don't bring him around, too. I have one cat I'm training, but even without the cat, it's just so lonely, and I had no idea what the guys in wrestling had been through. So my respect level for guys, especially WWE guys that traveled the world, and any wrestler that really has to go out, and that's what he does to support his family my hat's off to you and I, I i wouldn't wish being a wrestler on my worst enemy now i wish i kind of I, I have like a 50 50 in my head i i kind of wish i wasn't a wrestler and i wish i could go go back and slap myself in the face and, and gone to school or university or something but then i still have these shows where like i got to meet you last night and i still sometimes we had a great match with joey uh and sometimes i'll have these matches where the fans come up after and say you're still one of the best guys we've ever seen and you're you're phenomenal and you're in great shape for your age and we watched you since you were a kid and we and they were they're like four years old i'm wrestling now 21 years mm -hmm. so i i forget now how long i've been going i lived in a f***ed up reality because of marijuana and in the past ghb where i was like wasn't really aware of time and aging and waste wasting years and years and years just smoking pot and not not doing anything with my life so i i woke up and i heard a guy say to me in jail you don't want to wake up someday and look at 20 years later that you just basically slept and fucking wasted 20 years of your life and i was like man i'm almost 40 conan used to tell me it's gonna happen you'll get older it'll you can't stop it at times you know mm. i used to laugh at him and now i'm like all those things people said that sounded like shit maybe they were a lot smarter than i thought they were and just shut the up and pray to god that i'm walking you appreciate the air the meal the uh everything means something after you go to jail especially if you're facing a lot of time and then you don't get and i always i've been really lucky for all the years i sold marijuana and did crazy shit with girls and like for i probably should have been to jail for all sorts of other shit for, yeah over the years but for me to get charged with something i didn't do now i know the feeling of like the guy in the hurricane where he was like not guilty and having to sit in jail for something he didn't do and then getting uh getting off when I didn't think I was, was like that feeling of like winning a lottery. Cause mm -hmm. you, know, you don't realize what your life is worth until you're locked up and sitting in a f 
absolutely in a pair of boxers with a yeah. bunch of fucking strangers so yeah all right there are some seriously talented luchadors in aew and not all of them speak english which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes that's why i signed up for rosetta stone i'm learning spanish amigos eh, amigas see already learning haha rosetta stone is the most trusted language learning program you don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Well, and we just rejoined here. You mentioned Joey. Joey Janela is here. And the story of Teddy Hart, which I know very well. I don't really know anything about Joey. Other I've heard a lot about your name over the last few months, years, or year maybe. But you you are in the business, but you're also a, a mover and a shaker. Post, uh, you got your own promotion. You got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, it's just... Um... I've been I've been actually in the business for 12 years now. I, I've been wrestling. I got in the business when I was 15. Where are you from? Uh, New Jersey. Okay. So I was kind of like a backyard wrestler, and um, we knew we knew this local wrestler. We would see him at the local shows, and his name was Dirtbag Dan. And we we thought <laughs> we thought we thought his gimmick was that he botched moves and he was just pathetic. Right. But he just was a shitty wrestler. <laughs> so we seen him at the movie theater one day, and we said, Hey, Dirtbag Dan, come backyard wrestle with us. He said, sure. We're like, yeah, Dirtbag Dad's coming. And he was in the business. So I said, Dad, how do I get in the business? He says, oh, just come with me. He set up this ring. And uh, someone will teach you how to bump. Huh. And then like two months later, I went to the promoter. I said, yeah, I trained in uh, this school in the next state over. With Dirtbag Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that was my start in the business. And that was it, right? That was it. But, but, but I, I want to talk now, like as far as uh, at WrestleMania, you've got your show. And tell me about like your like how old are you twenty uh, twenty eight. So you got your own promotion at twenty eight, and you do pretty good business. Joey Janela's Spring Break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk about it. Um, yeah, it's Game Changer Wrestling. They're a new newer company in New, new Jersey. Um, they kind of gave me the reins with the show last year. That we thought, you know, how, how can we make a midnight show work WrestleMania weekend? And we thought, you know, going into it, it could be a complete disaster. But um, it went really well. Uh, we drew about. 1200 people and that was the first that was midnight um hmm. we had dan severn wrestle matt riddle and and i wrestled marty Jannetty and some bad shit spectacle mm-hmm. we had dink the clown on the show and glacier and it was kind of nostalgia plus the new and it like putting those three matches together and this year you know we have a thousand tickets pre-sold that's crazy yeah there's so many people there for wrestlemania weekend and so many shows and they all do really well 
Yeah, right? yeah. We, we we have the most tickets sold over Progress Evolve. Now, why? Why is that? What What does your show have that's different? I guess just the buzz from last year and just mm -hmm. it, it was a drunken spectacle. People so it's a party. It, it's a party plus a wrestling show. It goes to four a.m. and we got great Sasuke this year which he hasn't wrestled in the States in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So he's excited and everyone's excited to see him. So we're doing really good. We got like Pierre Carradolet on the show. And <laughs> Are you doing this show, Teddy? Uh, I'm actually was supposed to. I'm now begging Joey to work <laughs> work something out with the owner of GCW, which is usually a pretty good friend of mine, but we've been having some problems. Uh, like a couple. Yeah. He, he was like, he was... Uh, Joey's like done amazing stuff. I remember when he was a kid, he came up to me and said, I had a picture with you. And uh, I said, oh, I don't even know if I can't be that old. And he's like, yeah, I watch you in Jersey All Pro. You're like one of my favorite wrestlers. And uh, they wanted me to do a job to him one night. And I was like, F that, I don't even know the kid. And he doesn't look like he doesn't much. I heard he's the shits from another guy. And then I heard another guy tell me he was <laughs> awesome after. Yeah. And I'm like, well, f so I'm... And I watched him for a couple more years, and he became like the biggest thing and hardest working wrestler I've ever seen for indie wrestling guys. And travels every, every like he's got the most bookings in I think indie wrestling. Mm. So I, my respect went up for him, and I said I don't know how good he is in the ring though. I'm gonna have a match. This is right when I was on. This is when I was supposed to be in jail. I was out doing these matches, so every match was my my last match, waiting for customs to come through the door, hoping, you know, they don't. But and uh, we had two five star matches. weren't I wouldn't say there were. I would put them like up against everything until I saw you and Kenny Omega in Japan. Like I thought it was one of the best matches of the year. Yeah. Um, we did two, and he was phenomenal. And my respect went up for him huge. And then as a businessman, I started watching what he did and how he handled himself. And uh, he's got a beautiful girlfriend, and he trained her, and she's tough as nails. And he does a great job basically marketing himself and T-shirts. And no one ever helped him out. He did everything on his own. So um, kind of... I knew he was coming. I didn't know he was wrestling me, so I got the last-minute call that Joey Janelle was taking the place of Sammy Callahan. So I'm like, well, I said, politicking now, i got to play the game. I said, Joey, if you can, if I can get maybe to come in the back and meet Chris Jericho, I said, would you put me back on your GCW <laughs> show? So he says, maybe we can work something out. He started laughing. So And then we went to your bar. We went to the bar hoping we could meet you. And then uh, Disco Inferno was so cool that he made sure we got to see you. And I knew you were really nice because of Velocity and with uh, in Edmonton and Calgary. And I'd already met you a couple times. But you never know with, with the superstar guys in wrestling. Sometimes you meet them one time and they're super nice. The next time you see them, they barely remember your name and your face and i knew you weren't like that but you never want to overstretch your limits and be like yeah chris is my best friend and i know him really well well why don't you have his phone number it's like oh i lost it and so i just told joey I said, if, if he sees us i said he'll probably be cool he's always been super cool so joey and i came down after a match we didn't even have time to change i, I was still in my gear you were still in your gear which yeah so. which you wear stuff like that on the street anyway well, so i can never yeah, tell with yeah, you yeah it was I, i've been smart enough to make my track suits into wrestling gear because i lost all my gear and i can't afford to go back to mexico and get new gear this yeah. guy named Busio makes really awesome gear so I usually go down and get him to make my stuff for me I haven't had time to go back to Mexico I just got my cut my papers and stuff so I can mm -hmm. go between Canada Mexico and the States now my probation officer gotcha. gave me permission so so you 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 got a picture with Teddy when you were a kid yeah because Teddy was known as the he was the loose cannon like yeah. was Teddy gonna show up to the show what if Teddy does show up is he gonna shoot moon salt and try to murder somebody or he's gonna cut <laughs> he's gonna cut a promo <laughs> Homicide and do it for the kids, <laughs> moonsault for the children. But it was like 
Teddy Hart was him and Trent Trent Acid. They were the coolest. The guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I have a picture. I had a picture with him, and then uh, so. This that was kind of your reputation back then, right? Even kind of now to an extent, but like, what's he gonna do? Yeah, I that's I try to make that kind of like a, a cool thing though. Like, like, you never know what move set I'm gonna do. Try to always come up with new moves still and innovate. And then also, if I can sell you on an injury, I I, I think selling is key. I'll, I'll sell right to the end, or even walk back to the hotel with a with a limp, even if my leg's not sell, or I'll sell my knee, or try to get more out of it. And uh, that's out of respect for Brett and all the guys that told me years ago, like, what the f*** are you doing getting up from that? Why are you not selling that? And it's like, okay, now I understand. I didn't realize the business of what this is. It's about longevity and being able to, that's why I, I, I don't suck guys' dicks or kiss guys' asses on these promos much, and I'm pretty straight up with guys. But AJ Styles is one of the few guys that he, he's done amazing for so long, and you were the, the other guy that you outlasted everybody. I'm like, dude, he was wrestling. Brett should still be wrestling then. I said, Dynamite Kid's in a wheelchair. Benoit wouldn't, if he was in the state they say he was, that his brain was like that, and that's yeah. all true, then these guys would have been dead. I mean, if Eddie Guerrero wasn't, if it wasn't a conspiracy and he wasn't poisoned, he really had a heart attack and just died, if that's all the way it was, I don't know how these guys died. Everyone, you know, there's always stories and like rumors. What's the after. Eddie story that you heard? I, I heard somebody, I heard, I mean, just bullshit wrestling talk, but I heard Eddie Guerrero could have been poisoned, that somebody had poisoned him. Like, I don't know who would have hmm. and how, how would have happened. I heard from smart people that Eddie had done a lot of stuff in the past and had taken a lot of steroids. Mm. So that was probably what happened with him. Same with Davy Boy. Like, there's a story that Davy Boy had was taking some bad steroids and he'd been poisoned by his drug. I'm like, I don't, I heard stories from other people that just Davy lived a hard life. Mm. Same with, but then you look at Jim Neidhart, it's still alive and he's obviously uh, been through a lot of crazy shit, but his genetics, people always said Jim Neidhart's like a genetic freak. And he Jim's still pretty healthy. He can still bench four plates or something crazy. But I know sure, he has right. a bit of dementia. I heard he's having problems with his memory, but <sighs> otherwise he's in pretty pretty amazing shape. You never know for who, but none of those guys can work and mm -hmm. anymore. They were all. And then you went in the ring, and I'm like, I see I see Chris still having great matches in WWE, but I know he's wrestling a certain style. I wanted to wrestle you. I said I always wanted to wrestle Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, and, and the only guy I would think of was like that level. Would, and I didn't watch a lot of Kenny Omega. I'd wrestled him once. Was Kenny Omega was a beast. So I watched a bunch of Kenny Omega stuff right before your match with him. And I did. I couldn't believe how many good matches he was having. I said, killer, five-star match. I heard a five-star match from Meltzer. Like, and you, nobody gets the five-star match. So right. I watched him, and he was, like, one of the best guys I had ever seen. And I'm like, I, I wonder if Chris is going to go down there and mail it in, or what's he going to do? I mean, the, that WWE stuff is a different type of wrestling. And then when I watched you, man, I it restored my... I was in a room with, like, 20 guys. We're all watching it, and they were so amazed. And these are wrestling critic type of guys that were, like, all smart indie fans, pricks. And they all were tears in their eyes on that match, man. And it was such a hard show to go. Every match was a good match for you guys to do that much work and steal the show. I'm like, man, and they, you, people always, you never know what Chris Jericho is going to do and how good he really is. The best, I, I put you over as the best guy in wrestling history now because nobody, oh, including Shawn you. Michaels, could, that's the only other guy that I think could still go back in the ring right now, uh, just out of the blue in a pair of pants and just hit the ring and have a full. Well, you learn match. this, and I'm sure I'm sure you, you figure this out. Or like when you when you start the business, you think like I remember one time Mick, Nick Bockwinkel told me mm. we had a TV taping in Winnipeg, and he said like, you do you, your stuff is great, you just do too much. And I remember thinking like like total respect, but in the back of my mind going, this I mean you just can't do it. So you know what do you know? 
And then it doesn't take long to realize that the guy was so right, obviously. Oh. And once you learn the psychology of wrestling, it really is not doing a million things, but where you place. You guys have heard all the shit. So when you're younger, you don't see that. You think, oh, come on. That's just because the guy can't do it or he's old. But that's what wrestling is. And if you can embrace that and figure it out and really get it, there's no reason why you can't stay at a high level for, for, for years and years and years. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. You know? When you started, uh, Joey, who were some of the guys that you worked with like that are on the scene right now? Or, like, Did you start with the Ring of Honor guys? or Man, it was hard because I really started in Kearney, New Jersey, ticket seller wrestling promotion so it'd be like a bunch of like local guys to sell tickets and then they'd oh, they would give the, with the one name on the so show. what they would give you like 20 tickets and to be on the show you had to sell them yeah that, that, like like bands you know but yeah i i like when they came to my hometown i'd be like he the, the promoter his name was dapper johnny his big car and he would go <laughs> how many tickets can you sell kid and then you go uh yeah i could sell like 10 and then I'd sell like two. And he'd be like, you cocksucker. And I'll still put you on because I like you. Right. But yeah, and then like not until I started really going to wrestling schools and seminars. And I started getting around. And um, not, a lot of, like, not a lot of guys come out of Jersey. Like it's like me, like Jay Lethal. And oh, like, yeah. Like really, it's like it's really an island. It, a lot of guys just. So what's your main promotion that you work with? Um, right now, I'm basically I wrestle for every promotion. He's the most booked guy in indie wrestling well, that's history. Saying. Maybe like I've never seen a guy that work. Every time I see him, he's got three shows, and he's driving to one or flying to another. Flying but to tell another. me, like, okay, so obviously we all know WWE, we all know NXT, we all know Ring of Honor. What are the, some of the the bigger indies out there? Uh, PWG. Okay, uh, you do PWG. Started working for yeah. AW. That's uh, Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. There's Limitless shows. I know that I've done with Joey because I Combat he's helped zone. me get bookings because of my match with him. That allowed me to get seen, and he was nice enough to go on the mic after, and he put me over as the best heart ever, and that he was a huge fan of Brett, that he always thought that uh, I did more than all those guys. And his, his help, and I don't know how the f*** he did it, but he built an image, and like he took that one bump, obviously, in uh, CZW. I don't know if you already, I think it was, G, it was GCW. It was yeah. GCW. Which bump was it? You gotta see oh, it. Oh, yeah. It was the, supposedly the craziest bump in like yeah, wrestling. Like, Tell us about what was it? Well, deathmatch wrestling. I've always been a big fan of the FMW and the... Uh, and uh, Big Japan Wrestling, you know, when I was getting the tapes, when I was like nine years old, you know, great Sasuke Onita doing all these crazy death matches. These guys are dead. And then ECW went away and then Combat Zone came to my area and they were just a different level. And CZW is like a death match company, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was owned by John Zandig, who was just this this wild guy with a beer beer belly and a, and a fake tan and, <laughs> and whatnot. and wore a pair of jeans. And uh, a couple years ago... Uh, we were on Facebook, and all of a sudden, John Zandig appeared on Facebook. We're like, no way, this is the real guy. So I started pushing his buttons. I said, hey, you want to throw me off a building? Because he did a bump with Nick Mondo where he threw him off a building through like a bunch of tables, like 40-foot mm. drop. So I said, yeah, you won't throw me off a building. So he came out of retirement to throw me off a and building. And it was on fire, too, the table. It's it's a, on fire it too. made ESPN the next day. Is this the one? Like, is it outside yeah. or something? Yeah. I've yeah. seen this. So, so how high up were you? It was like thirty-five feet. So you're thirty-five feet, yeah. and he's got you kind of like in a, like a like a shitty press. Death, <laughs> Death Valley driver yeah, that's what it for what's the like what scene is finished like uh, the F5. the FI oh not the FI the uh, the the fi, what is it called uh, the FU yeah the whatever F they call it. attitude adjustment. Sorry, we're a couple of idiots here. Yeah, yeah. So he's Sorry, got you John. over his shoulders like a John Cena AA. Yeah. And is he jumping off 
the roof and no, he throws. Well, he comes off the roof with me into a pickup truck that has like light bulbs on it. For some reason, it's on fire, and for some reason, there's a barbed wire net at the bottom that no one can see. For the, I don't know why I did this, but really, it's it's what kind of made my career in the last couple of years. Because after that, the next day, it was on ESPN on the on the ticker. So how are you bumping on that? Ugh. Oh, like, I, well, like what are you doing? Just in the back of the truck on I the just light bulbs? Stomping. He was right about the spring of the back of the truck was gonna. It was like falling okay. out of a wrestling ring, and he was right about that. But the barbed wire net was unnecessary. So no one even and saw it. it. it basically, <laughs> chopped off my thumb. I, oh wow! Yeah, he got it. Yeah, yeah, you don't have a fingerprint. <laughs> so, yeah. but but is he jumping too? How is he landing? Well, he broke his back. Yeah, he because... broke his back on it. He never wrestled again. He I think he had one match after that, but he never yeah, was the he, same. He was. That. He, How does he land? He land like a pencil, like because uh, the truck was too close. Yeah, shattered his hips, didn't it, kind of thing? Something like that. He, Did he land on the ground? Yeah. No, he landed in the truck, but he broke his back because he had to guide me in. Because if he didn't guide me in, I would have landed on the roof of the truck. Oh, my God. And I probably would have died. So when we he, we were up there, he asked me to press. He said, oh, f it's too close. I said, oh, well, I'm dead. And then I went in, and I was fine. I felt fine. It was crazy. And I look at my thumb, and it's dangling off. I'm like, well, uh, I need to. Get that stitch back on. So what is, and, and listen, we've all done crazy stuff here. Obviously, you guys have done much more. Uh, well, I, hey, step in a wrestling ring, you're taking your life in your hands. Boys. And all of us have done stuff. Like we talked about the crazy bump that I had oh, in Vegas still, here. Where I should have died. An actual ring um, but that was an accident. This is, uh, this is you're doing this on purpose, <laughs> throwing yourself uh, off the building. What's, what's the mindset of that? It's just, uh, I, I, it was just kind of, we, we showed up to it and that was there. And uh, it was kind of my fault because I was a big fan of this guy doing this bump before uh, to somebody. And that kind of ended that other guy's career. And I was always like, it was like, to the, you remember LimeWire, Kazaa, where you download music? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It would be like, you type in like hardcore deathmatch wrestling and that was the bump. Yeah. You're like, wow, this shit's bat shit. I said, I need to do that one day. It's so hard to get noticed. There's so many indie wrestlers and promotions that Joey, by taking that one bump, I mean, like you're talking about the stuff these guys have to do the amount of work an indie wrestler has to do to get his name out there is almost impossible. So for him to take that chance and then have to deliver match after match after match after match because you only got that one bump. If you're not good after that, then he's himself. And he every match he had, I watched the guy get go from like just an average kid to one of the best indie wrestlers ever. Like, and he, well, like he I really said, I have to watch him. He's unbelievable making. Like, I wrestled him last night, and I don't have a scratch on me. And people thought he killed me on a brainbuster off the top and a package pile driver and a bunch of stuff. And I rarely put guys over because I, I have a certain level. I always think like you can watch my videos and go back in time for for twenty. I've been wrestling twenty one years, and my move set's always been like one of the hardest move sets on the planet, even to still this day. So I always pride on myself that if a guy's gonna, we're gonna talk. Talk, talk wrestling as an athlete i slam dunk from the three-point line not too many guys can and if you can i'm kissing your ass and bowing down to you but a compliment out of me means the that's all i got is can that makes your word is yeah. my word so when i say to you this guy's unbelievable and i think the wwe should take a chance on him because he lives a clean lifestyle and he's and he's done this all on his own no one ever helped him out he took that one bump which was but every other bump he's taken and all the guys he makes look good like and it's it's interesting because like i said i heard the name joy janela but okay, you mentioned phenomenal. that bump. I saw, I saw it. But also from your spring break thing, you know the George spring break. But it's weird that by doing that, it did kind of make your name. But dude, like one inch either way, and you're dead. Dead. It was, right. I, I would have definitely. Like, but and you weren't 
or is it a thrill-seeking thing? Like you got to jump out. You mentioned PJ Black earlier, or, or sorry, uh, uh, PJ Black just skydiving and yeah. losing his fingers, or like, is it something you have to do because it's in your? Uh, is it like a thrill that you have to have, or did you know. do it to make your name? I, I did it to make my name, and you know, and there is no independent wrestler that was going to take that bump in this day and age with all the knowledge of concussions and prolonging your wrestling career. It's like that was batshit crazy and that was a different level and Mick Foley uh he came up to me he goes you know that is the craziest wrestling bump of all time now for him to say that yeah because once again the craziest bump of all time to me was Mick Foley's bump I guess you could ask him the same question why did he do it because he wanted to make something special right yeah but once again that's on a WWE pay-per-view in front of millions and you doing it you know, I don't even know how many people were there. Know. Even any people there? There was like there was like five hundred. Okay, so there you there. go. But then now it goes viral. Yeah, hundred million views. Hundred million views. Next to the Joey Ryan video, it's the most viral independent wrestling. What's the Joey Ryan video? Well, the dick flip video. <laughs> yeah, just explain it to people yeah. who don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah, he uses his cock to flip people's. Uh, he just gives Bro. people hip tosses using his cock, yeah. right? Yeah. Next to that, it's the most like. I had to take it. I never. I thought I swore I'd never take it, but he he asked me to take it. I said, you know what? I said after going to jail and everything I've been through, I said yeah. I can't say no to a, the dick flip. I'll just do it and get it over with. He, didn't, the, he doesn't really grab your dicks. Thank God. It was more like the, the inside of your leg. There's a great. There's a great story uh, when Scotty Too Hot. He was doing the worm, and uh, Viscera was like. Uh, I had never taken that as a finish. That's the stupidest finish ever. And Vince heard it. Next week, Vince uh, was losing to the worm. The worm. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. The, the worm got him that night. But I mean, so 100 million views. Now, do people know this is Joy Janela or does it just say craziest bump ever? Does it does it have your name in it? It's like different videos. Like it'll pop up on random things. And it'll be like some some video captures will be like two idiots f- fall off a barn gotcha. through a truck. And then other ones will be like professional wrestler Joey Janela gets thrown off a, uh, a barn and whatever. So did that work it then? Like did, a barn. did it? Yeah, it made me. If I didn't take that bump, I don't know if I'd be sitting here, here right now. Right. Um, but uh, after that, it was like really you have to work really extra hard because to everyone's on the outside's eyes – I look like a garbage, what they say, a garbage wrestler. Like Jim Cornette goes, Joey Janela is a barnyard. Oh, he must love you. Garbage. He must love you. That on top of me doing matches against like Invisible Man and and whatnot, he he absolutely, absolutely. Joey was smart with gimmick matches. He did a lot of weird little like he he wrestled a lot of legends. So he'd bring in different legends and and put them over and make them look good for your shows, all these different shows, all different shows. They just, I would just go online and be like, hey, I want to wrestle Scott Norton. And then a promoter would be like, "Yeah, that's a good match. Let's book Joey Janela versus Scott Norton." And then I would, and then I'd wrestle Scott Norton. We'd have an awesome. This is like last year, an awesome match with Scott Norton. Scott Norton's like, "I feel alive again." <laughs> and then like another promoter would be like, "Oh, let's book Joey Janela versus Scott Norton again." Like, and then Norton's it, the best man. Yeah, he I was love like, that guy. "Oh, he's he's incredible." But like, I wrestled Marty Janetti. We had an incredible match last year at Spring Break. Like, Great worker. Yeah, it was it was awesome. For what he is, his ankle is mangled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was a little hopped up on something, but not. I controlled him to the point that he wasn't drunk, but he was on a little something, something for his ankle. But I wrestled him, Glacier. Glacier? Yeah. Filthy Ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fat fingers of the magician. He always just trying to do wrestle, um, magic yeah, tricks, yeah. but his fingers were too fat and he would f it up every time. Yeah, just like uh, <laughs> there's a line of wacky names 
I mm. wrestled at promoters. Virgil too, right? Vir Virgil, I wrestled. He gave me a. I actually made Virgil give me a Can Canadian destroyer. Like it was one of the worst Canadian. <laughs> Marty gave me a Canadian destroyer as well. His was actually good. Well, all you got to do is just basically take a, like a oh, sunset it's, flip. Yeah, it's on me, right? But Virgil, Virgil, oh, oh, that's a disaster, right there. It's the slowest <laughs> Canadian. People call it the slowest Canadian destroyer in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> So you're just going online for, for like it's interesting in this day and age, you could just say I want to have a match with Scott Norton, and then someone will pick up on that. That's become kind of like your gimmick now. Yeah, just uh, like I've wrestled like every big indie name like in the last two years because of just me. You know, also I look I watch a lot of uh, the way MMA fighters handle their business on social media now, and everything's like calling someone out or this guy's a. So it's a little bit of a shoot. Like, mm -hmm. I shoot on a lot of guys, and a lot of guys know the deal now, but when I first started doing it, they're like, this kid. Yeah, I thought yeah. he was trying to shit, shit talking and shoot, and then I, I, I'm like, dude, I remember you a couple of years ago. I'm like, now you're the superstar. I'm like, you better be able to go. Yeah. yeah. If, if you can't go, I'm put, if you want to wrestle and you're talking all this shit, and I remember, like, 28 minutes into the match, I said, man, this guy is tough as nails. He is really that tough. Like, I, I, I said, he doesn't really look like much. I said, mm -hmm. he's a good-looking good, good looking face, but doesn't really have a body. I said, he can't be that tough. His cardio can't be that good. I see him smoking a cigarette and shit. I'm like, I don't know, man. And then he was a, <laughs> they, uh, put him up there as one of the hardest-working guys, self-made, hardest-working wrestlers I've ever met in my life. And I met but the, everybody. But that's also kind of you know, it's something you touched upon, and we can talk about this, like, we're like almost three different generations. Yeah. I mean, you and I are close, but you're nine years younger than me, maybe, yeah. or something like that. When I started in the business, I was too small and I trained every day. I worked out like a mother, got to about 220 or so, and was still small. And then as time went on, Sean Waltman got in and then, and then HBK became the champ. And then it wasn't so much having to be 240 pounds, you could just be in shape. Yeah. Your generation, same thing. But now with with you, Joey, and then a lot of the guys are becoming big names. But there's not a lot of weightlifting and and muscles involved. Yeah, I, I honestly I look like shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm skinny fat. Do you train? Um, yeah, yeah, okay. I try. I, I, you know, like I was like when I was younger. I guess like there's that 26 where your metabolism just shits shits to bed mm -hmm. but i was like i was always lean and i always looked i always looked decent and you know and then all of a sudden like out of nowhere i'm just skinny fat f and i'm like <laughs> all right I, I, i'll train I'll, I'll work out three four days a week but i'm not i'm not meal prepping like a lot of these guys or there's always diet and, and the so supplements and all that stuff yeah and then obviously the steroids that, that everybody went oh, through yeah. at the time which all, is not yeah now. the steroids are all garbage now yeah it's They're gone watered down but it's like you almost don't have that's part of the business that is disappeared in some ways but i mean look at the young bucks they're not physical i mean they're in good shape but they're not like i was one of the first guys to wrestle the young bucks too and found them like years ago doing just like same that was like the same type of i couldn't believe how tough they were and how good mm -hmm. they were and uh, and they're smart just they're innovative smart. obviously geniuses they're, 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 geniuses they're, they're yeah. really their timing is really good and they're they don't they're they're simple enough. Like I said, they, they do a lot of cool shit, but they don't really do anything super dangerous, kind of. Like, the, I, I watch them a lot. And same with Kenny Omega. Like, he's, he doesn't... One shooting star press, you could break your neck. One one or two of these little other moves I cut out of my cut out of my business, like where those are those little slips, like a, a backflip's not too bad. If you start doing the twist on the backflip, like Jacks are doing two twists and stuff, a shooting star is okay. That's even hard enough because you got the straps underneath your boots and sometimes you got cables, sometimes you got ropes and each ring's different. Never so know, yeah. 
wrestling on indie shows. That's a good point. Indie shows are all different rings, and some have padding, some don't. Some have guardrails, some don't. Some have guardrails that are strapped in, so they move somehow. And so you're just you're taking a chance. And the Young Bucks, I remember they told me they're like, we just we're gonna stick to like this type of move set, but work on our timing and and combos, 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 combos. And I I told them when they were younger, I said you should probably jump on the juice. And they both kind of looked at me and said, no, we don't. That's not really what we're we're gonna wrestle this way. And if we're good enough with this style, then we hope it gets over. And then like a couple years later, I saw them and they just kept getting better and better and better. And I was like, man, those guys. So I tried to tell everyone about them. And then like down the road later, uh, you see them again and they went to TNA and same thing, they ripped it up with just normal bodies. Yeah. And, and, but they were so talented and their timing was so good and their combos were so good that it, you couldn't deny their skill. Well, you still have to have the cardio too. Like you said, you can't be going out there blowing up because that won't get you. But you look, oh, yeah. you know, there's always guys in the business. Like one of my favorite workers and one of the best workers was Bobby Eaton. Oh, I and Bobby was never a physical specimen. Ricky Morton, yeah. same thing. Just didn't have the genetics for it and couldn't be bothered to get in the gas. And if he did, it probably wouldn't have worked anyways. And there ain't a better seller in the world oh, other than Ricky that. Morton back in 1987. So it's not like it, it matters, but it's just a different mindset now though, right? Yeah, I you know, I, I I don't know if my cardio is good per se. I mm-hmm. I can I think I've I've uh, gotten it down to the point that I can if I'm calling the match and I can work it around. <laughs> I'm smoke because I smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, so so I can cut that out. But pacing is the most. I guess it's not even cardio. It's pacing. If you're smart enough to know yeah. what your pacing, his pacing is really good. It's way harder for me to do a Fozzie show than a wrestling match. I was gonna say that last night. I told him. I said, man. I said it looks like he's he's moving so much. I said I don't know how the He's, and then you got to sing and expand yeah, your energy. Oh, so there's yeah. a lot of times, especially if it's really hot on stage, I'll almost pass out. Whereas in wrestling, if you start getting a little bit blown up through the match, like you said, you can throw him wow. out of the ring. You can yeah. take a bump outside. You can submission. do a little submission. I'll do, uh, do double downs. Uh, yeah, exactly. Three double downs. Yeah. <laughs> Rest hold. You know that sort of. Oh, let's thing. do a superplex. Yeah, yeah. That's another <laughs> element. Is I don't know how you can be such a good. Like, I mean, you look phenomenal on stage there, and you were really good. I had never. I'm not a music guy. I, yeah, I yeah. listen to rap, but I never. You never when you don't see a guy rapping on stage, you see it's always in the booth. And most of it, when you actually watch what guys in rap do, man, that song took weeks to make. That song, they actually like he just went on there and floated. Like, yeah, it's like that guy wrote a bunch of shit down. He had nine different guys in the back cutting, 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 and then you finally hear the song. It sounds great. Like you don't realize the work. Yeah, you know, watching a rock and roll guy, I'm like when I watched a guy on stage, how much moving and how and the timing and then the singing and then I said I couldn't sing and I can't dance. Mm-hmm. The two things that I could never do. I've never I never dance ever and I'll never do karaoke. It's embarrassing. Is it just my I don't know how. I'm gonna get you to do karaoke. Yeah, maybe I'll try to do karaoke <laughs> one time. I'm mean, getting over certain fears, but it, it was another huge thing. Was Vampiro, who's a hater and not really a fan. Uh, he he said how in one of the few times I heard him give a compliment. And because I think he has a little weird heat with you or something. He, <laughs> he said Jericho's done an amazing job with his career in music. And that was the only compliment I heard come out of Vampiro's mouth towards because he thought he was a music guy. He said he was the first guy to do it. And he, yeah. was, he had a band and he was going to do all this stuff. And he goes, man, and I said, he goes, do you have any idea how hard it is to do that? And I said, I have no idea. And he goes, you should, you should probably watch uh, you should probably watch some of these shows and look how much moving and jumping and, and stuff they have to do and singing makes you tired so mm-hmm. I guess it does so I started looking and I watched you very carefully last night and then again you're you're so talented and such a such a nice guy one of the few real multifaceted superstars and funny and best promo guy Benoit told me he goes that was the difference he goes on top of that now I say you're the best wrestler ever oh, thanks man well, you really are there's no one that's lasted that you still look 
and you still have big arms, you still look full, your face is still very handsome, you still have your hair, and, and <laughs> your teeth. Are, you gotta hang out with Teddy Hart more often, man. I wish you were a chick. It'd be nice to hear that from a. Raven was like a girl last night, giving compliments so to everyone that looked good. I never heard Raven so positive. I oh yeah. Rip Raven's throat out a couple times at indie shows where he's giving advice and it's talking shit and just a straight bitter hater. And then he, I don't know if he had a, a spiritual awakening or if he's just mellowed out but he was so nice and he was very complimentary he, he said some nice things about you too he's uh, how jericho's lasted the longest i was saying i said man i said i don't want to sound like i'm blowing smoke or trying to kiss guys asses i said but i've been hard on a lot of guys and said a lot of shit that probably cost me jobs in the future and maybe you know but a compliment out of me is all i have is my word and my balls mm -hmm. and just uh i said last night you was trying to bother you just about how how you re you brought wrestling back to another level, and you're you're from Calgary, and you're from Winnipeg, and you're you're that last Canadian club. You're the last guy from the dungeon. Even mm -hmm. though there's some bullshit about that whole thing, you made us. You did you did it on your own. I never put the hearts. The hearts didn't really help you. Never. I couldn't even get on Bruce's. Yeah. Uh... So, but we know that between <laughs> the scenes. But Lance and you were always nice enough to for the fans that are out there. They they believe that you were like. But, you know, Benoit did more. They gave, they took care of Benoit. They did not take care of you. Mm. They didn't take care of Lance, really. But you guys are always nice enough to put it back us. Because a lot of students joined the school after. Well, it, it, it gave you a little badge yeah, of honor, you know, to train awesome. in Calgary. And it's not like it's the dirtbag dad, you know, it's, families, it's the Hart yeah, brothers. We help keep our family yeah. alive. Yeah. You know, between us, you could have easily, you could have buried the hearts of being dicks. Because they were, I, I wasn't a fan of what Pillman did to guys or what Bruce did to guys. <laughs> that, they abused a lot of guys, man. Yeah. Shit on the dungeon, but the dungeon was was brutal. And you went to the dungeon and did all your stuff. But Ed Langley's school was—that was the same type of shit. It was like there's no—it was never easy. It was never fun. Well, and, so crazy cold in Calgary. Like talking about the dungeon a bit because the dungeon has a little bit of um of what's the word I'm looking for like 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 a, like a fantasy about it aura. Uh, an aura about it where it was like this amazing place oh, but it was a shithole with cat shit I mean that they obviously go sneak down and piss on the mat sometimes and the guys that are down there are sweating never was washed all the holes in the roof it was a, with a bunch of pipes that were hanging down that you hit your head on all the time I remember hitting my head on those pipes bruce would make you do a leapfrog and he called leapfrog knowing that the if you leapfrog here you're fine but if you leapfrog over here and bruce is calling on the fly so guys jump up and they hit their head on the pipe and, bruce, oh, and once again it's such a it's a basement with such a low roof if you do a good leapfrog you're going to hit the pipe yeah and the ring was about six oh, inches stiff, off the ground yeah, just stiff it wasn't even a ring it was like like a little boxing ring almost i couldn't believe it like yeah, like when I first went to the dungeon, like proper, I could not believe like this place is the shit. Yes, dude. You know, it's 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 like when they used to talk about the ECW arena, and like ECW arena, and yeah, the, the, the famous yeah. bingo hall. It was a yeah. shitty little hot building in the summer, freezing in the winter, but it had this mystique, cool. and that's the same with the dungeon. I think the last four graduates from the dungeon or five were me, TJ, uh, Tyson Kidd, Harry Smith. Uh, Jack Evans and Apocalypse. Uh, Eric, I I forget was he's uh, in uh, yeah, the the Ascension, right? Ascension, Ascension. Yeah, 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 yeah. Victor, Victor, Rick yeah. Victor. I think his name is. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm, I'm terrible with WWE names. Like I call Neville <laughs> Pac. Another match you had with Neville. Yeah, that was phenomenal too. And I was just saying, like, there's not too many guys in the world that can that can do that it was a testament to how smart you were but you also did a ton of shit too that's why i said like and you also took the worst bump i've ever seen in wrestling for an actual bump in the ring on your head and i watched that a couple times and i'm like man 
you have to be an angel because if it wasn't for you, so many guys would never have got exposure. Like that, that Kenny Omega, that match changed wrestling history. Mm. For you to be able to go down there and do that for everyone else, it gives us all hope. Like I say, The Rock and Cena, I gave them shit for having that weird match at WrestleMania the second time. But the first time, they brought all that publicity to wrestling. Yeah, they did. Make wrestling better for us. The, the better you guys do, I always hope Shawn Michaels comes back for another match because I like, same with Undertaker. Whenever I see him, even if it's just that one match a year, he made Roman Reigns look so good. He was such a, he's such a beast. And there's certain guys that I'm like, I always thought, but I was so mad about Brett. Was Brett was the only guy that never came back for that big match. Everyone else that came back that was had great matches still, but Brett wasn't able to. He just had the match with Vince, and yeah. he kind of just let, let it go. I don't think he was able to go to the gym a lot because of the concussion and then because of the stroke, mm -hmm. his hands and stuff like that. But I thought that was basically the only other guy that should have been able to come back because he retired early enough and come back and have a match with Jericho or a match with Benoit, like an older one, or if they were alive, or a match with Eddie Guerrero, Bret Hart, like some or Macho Man was another guy I always thought was one of the few other guys that I would have loved to see Macho Man, Shawn Michaels in the future, Macho Man, Jericho, or, mm -hmm. or even like my big thing is I'd love to wrestle The Rock once if I can, I don't think it'll ever happen, obviously, but I wanted to wrestle you or Shawn Michaels and like, the few dream matches I have, and then to see that dream match happen with Kenny Omega, I'm like, yeah, you never know what could happen. You never know what could happen, still. right? Joey, when you're talking about, um, you know, um, it seems that you could try to do Ring of Honor or all these ones, but you seem like you, you like bopping around and kind of being your own boss in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, I, I just like the indies. Mm. You know, I don't want to be tied down somewhere. And um, of course, WWE is the goal, as it should be for everybody, any professional yeah. wrestler. That's right make a living and if they have kids and send their kids to school and stuff and it's just that's the dream and you know i ring of honor and and tna there's always been feelers thrown at me and i'm just like i'm happy what i'm doing you know my pay rate goes up you know every few months and uh, i i sell more t-shirts it's like it's wonderful you know mm -hmm. it's just uh you're an independent contractor you know it's just i i did this for 12 years and this is the first year consistently every weekend i'm on an airplane I didn't get my first flight in professional wrestling until two years ago. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so I was driving everywhere, so now it's it's different. Now I'm flying every weekend, and it's just something new to me, you know? It's just like, it really, I was a piece of shit back then. I was like a little shithead, you know, when I, uh, uh, ego, and I, I shouldn't have because the way I got into business, I was an untrained backyarder. But now it's just all those years of hard work it's just like getting the flights and going overseas to england or going to wrestle in tijuana in front of ten thousand people it's just uh humbling mm -hmm. you know it's just I, I worked hard you know and i did it all myself sure and that's the thing nobody helped you no uh, no you Some, know well i've people have helped me along the way the last few years you know um drew gulak especially he helped Good me guy. a lot yeah he he definitely helped me out a lot getting to this level that i'm at now he saw something in me and he started pushing me to promoters and helping me out and then he left the wwe and um just i i've i've been to 60 seminars camps with like a who's who and professional wrestling that taught me a lot as well and mm. it's just uh it's just a different path you know? right sure sure but to That's get to the same point but Taylor, let me ask you a question you, your career has been so controversial in ways and you've had chances and you blew them and then you're back again and now it's like you mentioned you have all these bookings are, is this you know being in the business for 21 years are you a little bit more appreciative and and are you not going to be as crazy as you have been? Are you? Is that just who you are as a guy? I don't know. Again, I we talked about crazy as a definition. I never, 
I was always a smart businessman as as a and as a like a I'm not gonna say criminal, but I was always able to get out of trouble. And reputation was more bullshit. I just think guys did not want to work after Teddy Hartley. I was doing instead of doing just a shooting star, do a shooting star front twisting and another move three three minutes back to back to back just as a finish, even though I knew it was one. So I I did. I always thought working hard was me crazy or why would you do a moonsault off of 20 feet? And it's like, well, because I have the name that was given to me, but I, I always thought I worked way harder than the hearts did, which is if you come from the best wrestling family in the world or one of them, but you're actually doing all this shit. No guy could say that they gave, like Brett never helped me out. No one was dead. Davey was dead. Jim was the only guy that ever showed up for an indie book. You're the only guy that ever got me. You and Chris Benoit were the only two guys that ever even watched a tape or or helped me out or bought me a meal or did anything in wrestling history for me. So I was I'm like, why did I get called crazy? Because was it because I did GHB when I was 18, 19, 20 years old? Or was it because I did all these moves? But if you ever, what what move did I ever ask a guy to do that he got hurt on? So it was like- I, I guess what I mean by crazy is like you, 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 with, with your talent and, and your look, you're still in phenomenal shape. Why have you never stuck to one place? Because you could be a top no, guy. I say this again, Triple H- and Brett, that why there's no reason for Teddy. You could have you WB's lost hundreds of millions of dollars on. If I'm still wrestling now, and AJ Styles walks in at 39 or 40 and is having all these matches, I always say physically, there's not too many guys like that are. I'm I'm 38 now, and I think I'm better now. And if I went to gymnastics for just a month, I would hit every. I can hit a, every big move that wrestling's ever done. Like Ricochet's doing a double moon, so he'll never do it again. He said, "Now." I don't Neville. I don't even know if he's booked anymore. Will Ospreay is the only other guy really that hits like a shooting star full twist or a backflip full twist. Although Jack Evans is the other, like those are the. There's some difficult moves in wrestling that are left. I think I could do them perfectly now and once in a blue moon if I had the opportunity because of knowing. But that it's not about moves anymore. Now it's about the psychology and trying to make guys look good and trying to stay stay healthy. Where before I never had to pay. If I got hurt, I was like I, I never cared. It was like I got a million dollars. I got a rich wife. My dad's got his business. It didn't mean anything. Now I'm like, oh, every wrestler that's ever had to do all this stuff, that's all they have. So I always, now my respect for them is different. So my mentality of, of talking to guys is different. I'm way more humble of like of appreciating every guy that's doing this to feed his family. This is now my job where now I'm like, oh, fuck, I understand. So just maybe crazy. that's what it was. And yeah, yeah, crazy is not the right word, but maybe that's maybe because you had other forms of income. I always, yeah, wrestling, other guys that were looking to hire didn't, I didn't. Didn't need a job i never sent a tape to wwe ever i've never asked for a job ever i would show up in a f-ing ridiculous outfit almost just to be like whatever and then i would be smoking pot everywhere too back in the day that was another thing is i would always roll up just to piss guys off in the back because i knew about all the pill heads and coke heads and i i'm like anti-drug most of the time i don't really like drug addicts and drug but i smoke a ton of pot so i'm always more of like I've, you know, I've never tried crystal meth. I've never taken a painkiller in my life. I've never done a line of cocaine. So when I was here and I sold and I've been around drug dealers and hell's angels and parties for all my life, I've always made money in that scene. But my willpower and my, my uh, let's say like uh, discipline for never doing that stupid shit, GHB got me. That was the only one, but I worked because I was I would go to the gym and I could heal and I could sleep. I always had trouble sleeping. And I've always taken steroids for 20 years. I've taken a very small amount of steroids since I was 17 years old, and I've never gone off for all my life. I've always taken just a little bit. So my mentality was always try to get a job. At eventually, when I'm like 35, I'll be jacked. And then right. something right when I get to 200 pounds, I start getting really big. I start looking really good. Something would happen. I'd have a small injury. I'd break my heel. Like a little little things like would. 
me up so i never got to that level where i wanted to show vince a picture where i was jacked and then they could go and he's doing all these moves and he shut his mouth and he's passing a piss test i've never had that opportunity something always happens in my life like i did the show with brett and the only injury i ever had was like a small little one and brett was beating up vince that was the show with brett right batista was there i was good friends with even you were i that was after i met you at the bar and you were really nice so i had all these guys that were potentially in my corner and Paul London does a spear on me during a match the night before the WrestleMania match and, and breaks my collarbone or blows and breaks my shoulder just right. So I was so depressed. Stephanie McMahon was trying to get me in there and there was a friend of hers that was like a big fan of mine and he was talking to Triple H. I showed up and I remember I didn't even watch the match. I just went and ended up watching a guy training his pit bull to jump up and catch food. We ended up sitting outside this guy's house watching that. I remember thinking after him like, you just missed possibly the last time you're ever going to see brett in a ring tj harry natty the whole family was there they didn't even pay me everyone everyone in the family collected 500 bucks or a thousand bucks and got their hotel paid for i wasn't even there i was sitting in some phoenix with a broken shoulder remember that was just like my last chance i was like oh that me and then another time i was about to do something i got put in jail or another time i was about to do something and then bad yeah, luck. Yeah, yeah. i just think i'm i'm cursed to a point now where I literally say this to you and like I asked Triple H openly to the world like Steve Regal if I said anything on a shoot interview to piss you I watched the whole thing because I always say what happened but then that's the truth I'm not gonna lie but I always say the good thing after the end of it like Samoa Joe if I give you shit on something I also said you're phenomenal and congratulations on all you did do but I thought you could go to the gym like there's if I said something bad I always tried to follow it with something nice after but a lot mm. of times guys don't hear it or they hear one thing and then they forget all the other stuff I said after so my job is to point out the good I want to do a book about tell all these great stories in wrestling and funny stories and how all these guys were most of the time really nice guys at the end of the day once they were secure they got their job they got their money I see them later and almost every guy I ever thought was a prick or had a little problem with turned out to be a nice guy yeah. so my whole mentality of wrestling is to say sorry to the world of wrestling for not appreciating what it took to be a wrestler because I was never a professional wrestler I was a great wrestler but I was never a professional wrestler I didn't have to go on the road I didn't have to pack a bag I didn't have to get up and set my alarm like all the shit you guys do to do that consistent consistent like I worked a construction job for three weeks and I never wanted to kill myself more and I never <laughs> every guy I've ever seen that does any 9 to 5 job now I have nothing but respect for because getting up at 6 in the morning 6 days in a row was nuts let alone that's your life every day you get up at 5 30 go to traffic like sitting in traffic in the back of a truck with this hard hat on and, and a sandwich that i had to make the night before and he goes man this is pretty cool we're making 150 bucks and i said man suicide i got and it was hot hot shit weather in florida and i had the warrant for my arrest and i said man so I got a job at a strip club working at night as a bouncer and sitting in the parking lot. And that was cool for about two months. And I remember sitting in the chair thinking, this is going to be the rest of your life. You literally, what, you, without a high school diploma, I cheated my high school diploma that told you that crazy story. So I have no degree. I have $1 million house in Calgary, which I have to wait because property value went up and down. We paid 1.4. The house dropped. It's a million dollars. Now so we lost $400,000 on the investment this is all i have left i have nothing i don't have any clothes i have no shoes no underwear one toothpaste one toothbrush so i'm like dude this is suicide i wanted to kill myself a couple times where i'm like questioning life and then literally joey had a match with me and brought me back uh the fact that i knew your podcast people all so many people listened to and they said man you were so honest on that podcast you've been through a lot of shit chris was nice enough to let me talk i said i hope i didn't get myself blackballed for saying certain things 
And I always regret. I'm like, I don't know if I should shut the f and bite my tongue or tell the truth. And that someday later they'll go, you know what? The guy was honest. He told the truth. He maybe said too much or he was, he's lived a crazy life. But whatever I can do to get a job in the future, ask Tyson Kidd. He says, give me two years of consistent indie bookings, at least a year with no problems, good matches, no, no headaches, nothing. That I, you can't control social media. So if a promoter no, 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 but, your complaints, but the word but gets around though. that I have shut my yeah. mouth and I'm playing ball, I'm working hard. And that's all I ask is that if Triple H had a problem with Brett, I, I'm not Brett. I, I had no control over what happened there. My my favorite wrestler in the world was Shawn Michaels all these years. But, and it's, you. but it's good, though, that, that Tyson is in the he, office now. he's now. an agent. Yeah. And Johnny Ace is another guy that was, like, weird with me but loved Tyson Kidd. And I told Tyson Kidd a f***ed up story that when I got fired, I said, well, what about TJ? Shouldn't, are they getting fired? And I had, like, complained about him. I said, man, I said, that's such bullshit. And he told, Johnny Ace told TJ that. So TJ had a little heat with me for a couple years after, and I never talked to them. When I got released, we were all about to be on TV at the same time. Brett wrote his book, and I got released the next day after the book was released, and they said it was because Bruce Pritchard claimed it was because I did a backflip at a bar. When Steve Kern told me, I need you to do some cool shit, I'm making money on the gate here, and we're having lame matches nobody really wants to do much because everyone's trying to save it for when they go on tv he goes so do some of your cool shit every show i did i did a backflip off the top to the floor for wwe for all the training like so bruce comes into town he says the guardrails are a little close uh don't do any high spots so steve kern's the booker it's his show bruce is just there for one day just coming just to walk so we planned the moonsault i did the moonsault bruce came and says i'm talking to vince about that and i told the wwe the FBI had called my house because some guy ribbed me and said that the FBI is coming to do an interview. They want to talk to you about steroids. This is right after Benoit died. And so you probably should let somebody know. So I went to my house and this is, I had one bottle of juice left. I had passed all my pistons to WWE. I threw it in the garbage and then I went and told Tom Pritchard. And Tom and I had already had our weird experience from like 10 years before. And Bruce was the one that fired me when I was 18 years old and slapped me across the face. And I never said anything about it. Weird shit. And I'm not going to really bury Bruce now. But it was along the lines of sexual assault type of shit where what Bruce did because he was in a towel and he slapped me and I was fucked up. And, but it wasn't, it wasn't worth the heat of trying to make a big scene about it. But 10 years later, Bruce was the same guy that got me again. So Tom says, you got to tell Bruce. So I told Bruce, I said, I don't know if it's real or not, but the FBI might be coming to my house to talk to me about steroids, I said, because I had something mailed in the mail. And the guy that I mailed it to actually was so mad, he called his friend and they ribbed me and said that I had steroids sent to their house so that the FBI is coming to get me. So I'm like a f idiot. I went and told Tom Pritchard, he's my friend, and he says, talk to all you got to tell the office. Better you tell the office now in case if they come to your house and you don't warn them. So that, that no one knows why I was fired the second time. So that, that little combination of telling Bruce Pritchard that right before we went on TV, a week before we went on TV, then I got released a week after that. They fired me, only me though. Natty stayed, TJ stayed, Harry stayed, and they never signed Jack. They just left me and Jack sit. I went to Mexico after that, and I never got a chance to tell people, oh, he was hard to work with. I never said a word in WWE. I didn't set up one ring one time. There's the only other thing. We set up the ring every single day. I've been setting up rings since I was a kid. Right. So I was just like, ah, oh, whatever. That was the only thing they could say about me. But Johnny Ace told Tyson Kidd that I bitched about him not getting fired, and I got fired, which wasn't the truth. So I always said to TJ, I don't know why John said that. I was really hot. And then later... I heard so many nice things about Johnny Ace that he's a really nice guy now that he's mellowed out a lot and, he's, and he helps a lot of the guys. And TJ said Johnny Ace was the reason he went back. Mm -hmm. So Just in the long scheme yeah. of things, Johnny Ace protecting TJ convinced him to go back. The only hope in hell I have is that some few guys maybe will just put in a word for me 
like you or and that Tyson Kidd is an agent and that Vince and Shane McMahon was always a but fan like of you mine. said when when, Ed, when Eddie got fired he he went on the Indies yeah. for a year and didn't do drugs and didn't have any incidents they brought him back and he became the biggest that he ever yeah. was so. I went to rehab too for WWE and I never been to I never stopped this is the only time I'm clean I've, I've always smoked yeah. pot and I, I went to rehab for two months with them and the guy that runs the rehab program he knew WWE wasn't their fault but the rehab place up with the piss test so he knew and he said i talked to vince i don't talk to them much because i'm not a, i'm not a, but my drug job is to make sure to report that you did a great job in rehab this time i yeah. went to rehab three times in wwe no but if, if you and can I always stay clean this time like, oh, yeah, this is real for you off this time they it was yeah. jail time and they were and wwe was watching they said don't waste our time because tyson kid natalia had to pull some strings to get me into the rehab because i had really no problem so when i went there i shut my mouth and i realized again this is my last chance if i up any more little stupid shit where I'm just putting yeah there's never take gonna it be a day and I will have wasted my career so I beg I beg guys I'm like this is the only time where I'm asking openly asking for a job not right now if they said to me right now would you want to sign I said just give me one year just to keep doing what I'm doing and to learn the business and to get psychology and understand what it takes to be a wrestler now yeah. and Joey, um, when uh, just as we got a couple minutes left here uh, when you're uh, talking about the Joey Jones spring break who's the, who's on top Who's been the main event in this year? Well, uh, uh, some guy named Joey Janela. Yeah, of course. Uh, as as any fine promoter will do. <laughs> uh, versus uh, Great Sasuke. Oh, great. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Is this another one of those ones where you put it on Facebook? No, it was just like, who do you want to wrestle? Like, you wrestle Marty. Who do you want to wrestle this year? Uh, I said last year, I said, Great Sasuke. Like, we can't get Sasuke. That's too crazy. So then I start hitting up Mitch Noku Pro offices, and they're ignoring my emails. I go, come on, I need Sasuke. So then I start hitting up wrestlers from Mitch Noku Pro, say, relay this to Sasuke. And finally, Kikutaro, he made a connection. Within 15 minutes, we had Sasuke booked. And um, That's crazy. And I, it was like, all right, I guess I'm wrestling Great Sasuke now. And he's excited because he hasn't wrestled in the States and he, he rarely does singles matches these days in Japan. He does like big, crazy comedy. He's a like, senator or something, isn't he? He's like, I think like, he was like a... He's in the diet, Japanese yeah, diet or something like that, yeah. But uh, this is a singles match and he's ready to go. And, and this happens at midnight is when the show starts. Yeah, well, this match would be probably going on at like three, like three four this year. <laughs> he wrestled at three in the morning. Yeah, it would probably be me and Great Sasuke at like 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> there you go. You know, and... Uh, you know, it's uh, we're gonna draw like double what we did last year. We'll is this the do. biggest match of your career? Uh, I'd say so. Yeah, mm. it's there's a lot of eyes on it. You know, there's a lot of uh, weird media outlets picking it up, like like websites like Deadspin and like CBS Sports. Hit me up. They're like, oh, we want to cover your show and your match with Sasuke, and it's like all these people are hitting me up now. And um, yeah, so I guess it's the most publicized match of my career. And uh, it's just great to bring Sasuke back to the That's stage great, yeah. one, one last time, especially yeah. in front of that crowd is going to be rabid. You know, it's it's going to be like two thousand five hundred people. Really? You know, just That's like, crazy for an indie show, right? Yeah, especially Mania weekend. Yeah. You know, we're beating right now. We're on the same. We're in the same building as Progress and Evolve, and those are two top independent dogs. So when you're beating them in ticket sales, I don't know. The the tide is kind of. What's it officially called? What? Like what's the com company called? Is it just Joey Jones? Oh, oh, oh Game Changer Wrestling. Oh, Game Changer Wrestling. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're under like the Gabe Sapolsky WWN banner. Gotcha. They do like a little like it's like stop by Southwest. Yeah, 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 they run a bunch of shows in the building. So, Are you going to uh, book Teddy on the show? You know, he, we're gonna. 
I'm gonna try to get Teddy to sit down with the promoter Brett Lauderdale over a nice plate of chicken wings, and they can talk out their issues. I, it's really, it's really like we had Teddy on the show, and then they're they're, they're bitching to each other like husband and wife, and Teddy's trying to text Brett, and Brett's not responding, and and you know I'm a big guy about respect on texting back that's all and Brett yeah. Brett's busy with his with his promotion Brett Brett's another guy that came from basically nowhere and built a promotion up and did a gr- unbelievable job because he's saying I never said anything good about him so I, I will say now about Brett as a promoter has done a great job with GCW they're drawing I think they're the biggest drawing company in the northeast area like for yeah. that what it is they draw seven six hundred seven hundred eight hundred yeah. people yeah it's gonna be a huge show and just don't take any bumps off the uh, barn I don't know I have to ask Sasuke he, Space flying tiger drop yeah, off the barn. Yeah, yeah. He does something in a sake barrel now where he puts a sake barrel on his head and then he falls off things and like whacks himself. You gotta see this. Yeah, you ever see that? I haven't seen that one yet. You gotta, it's like a, a gimmick. He goes in a sake. There's gonna be handles in there and padding because like they'll take off the padding of the ring and then he'll like climb a scaffold and they'll shake the scaffold and it'll fall off and just like in the barrel and just like wipe out. And it's just, this is Sasuke today. This is him wrestling today in Japan. So, so, uh, people keep on asking me on Twitter, is he bringing the, is he bringing the, 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 the sake barrel off the, the rooftop? Barrel. But, <laughs> it's going to be a killer show, oh, man. man. Thanks Thank guys. You. Thank you. All right, Joey Janela's Spring Break 2 wrestling show is happening tonight at midnight in New Orleans. Go check it out. The only midnight show you need to see if you're here for WrestleMania. So much crazy stuff going on this weekend, but you want to see Joey main eventing with the great Sasuke, who's doing his first match in the United States uh, in a long time. Teddy Hart will be there. Teddy's working all weekend as well. So much stuff uh, going on uh, at WrestleMania weekend. I hope you guys are having a great time, and I hope you uh, are still thinking. If you haven't booked your cabin already for Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea, uh, tickets are still selling. Cabins are going through the roof for as little as 150 bucks you can get your cabin we're leaving october 27th from miami to the bahamas and remember once you book everything's included in the booking price and if you book before april 14th you get a chance to win uh uh uh, fozzy roadie for a day or you can have a chance to win a ring uh, sitting at ringside with me for the ring of honor tournament i'll be sitting there with you or get a chance to win dinner have dinner with the ring of honor superstars that's gonna be crazy but you gotta book by april 14th chrisjerichocruise.com and remember Everything is all-inclusive. You get to see Kenny Omega, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Noel Foley, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Rey Mysterio, Raven, Cyrus and Paul Lazenby, Conan, Disco Inferno, Shane Helms. Beyond the Darkness will be there telling some scary tales. Cole Cabana, Marty DeRosa doing their professional wrestling show. Brad Williams, Ron Funches keeping you laughing. The Busted Open Radio with Dave LaGreca. Uh, musically, Corey Taylor is going to be there, the front man of Slipknot and Stone Sour. Phil Campbell, the Bastard Sons, King, Fozzie, uh, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project will be there, The Cherry Bomb, Shoot to Thrill, uh, Blizzard of Ozzy, and of course, Ring of Honor presenting the Sea of Honor Tournament aboard the ship. You'll get to see Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, uh, the villain Marty Skrull, Briscoe Brothers, Dalton Castle, Kazarian, Adam Page, Christopher Daniels, um, uh, new additions, Deanna Perazzo, Mandy Leon, Matt Taven, Flip Gordon, Delirious Kenny King, BJ Whitmer. Uh, it's going to be, the list goes on and on and on. Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, still more names and attractions to be added. Do not miss this cruise. It's going to sell out. We're going to do this every year. Come and make history with us and me. Of course, I'm going to be there. Uh, ChrisJerichoCruise.com Don't you dare miss it. Go look it up now. All right. Next Wednesday, got a great uh, surprise for you uh, on the show. 
for uh, the first time, we have uh, uh, who's going to be here? Hurricane Nita Strauss. She plays guitar for Alice Cooper. She's a huge wrestling fan. She's related to Johann Strauss, the uh, famous composer from the 1800s. She's a trip. A great, great guest. I had a great time with her. I want you to hear this next Wednesday. A little more rock and roll with Hurricane Nita Strauss. Uh, kicking ass as a female playing guitar for, uh, for Alice Cooper. So we'll see you on Wednesday. Have a great WrestleMania weekend. If you're in the Hampton Beach area, we'll see you at Wally's. Uh, and uh, other than that, have a, have a great time. In the meantime, and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy.